When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. Today, June the 14th, 2022, marks the five-year anniversary since the devastating Grenfell Tower disaster. The fire, which spread through the dangerous cladding around the building, led to the deaths of 72 people, Dozens of injuries and more than 200 people and families left without a home. Today though, after years of campaigning, there's still work to be done to eradicate the cladding from buildings across the country and get justice for the 72 that died. So what changes has the government made in the last five years and how is the impact of Grenfell still being felt across London? We'll hear from Joe Delaney from Justice for Grenfell, who's been taking part in the Grenfell inquiry over the last half a decade, as well as a children's champion who's been supporting the young people still suffering from panic attacks following the disaster. First, though, Rachel Burford, the Evening Standard's political reporter, joins me. So, Rachel, five years to the day of the Grenfell disaster. Can you talk us through what happened on that day? The fire started in the early hours of the morning on the 14th of June 2017. It was sparked by a faulty fridge on one of the lower floors and the fire rapidly spread up the building. And it has since come out that the reason for this was the materials used during a refurb of the building previously were combustible and not up to scratch. Because of this, the firefighters had a stay put policy in place because they did not realise that the fire would spread so rapidly through the building and it was going up the side of the building and spreading smoke throughout the staircase that people were trying to use to escape and spreading really rapidly up to those upper floors. Unfortunately, 72 people died in the tragedy, um, making it one of the worst fires, I think, since World War II in London. And we've seen five years of campaigning, with many saying there's so much still not resolved. What do we know? There's been obviously huge campaigns It came out very quickly after the fire that the people who'd lived in Grenfell Tower had been campaigning for quite some time about safety in the building, you know, saying they didn't have fire doors, um, fire exits were often blocked, things like that. And that came out within days. Eventually, there was the Grenfell Inquiry was launched a few months later in September 2017. And that sort of try and get to the bottom of why it was so devastating and how firefighters were unprepared for a fire like this. And I think obviously, you know, Campaigners were really pleased when the, they announced the inquiry, but it's now been five years and the inquiry is still not finished. The inquiry panel produced a first report a couple of years ago, which made um, some recommendations, including you know the 
dangerous ACM cladding be stripped from buildings and, you know, questions the sort of stay put policy that was in place at the time for people in tower blocks who may have a fire in their in their building. But today, although the inquiry has uncovered some sort of major scandals, you know, just run through a few, you know, the cladding firm knew that the materials it was putting on the building were a fire risk. Combustible materials had also been packed around the windows as well, so it wasn't just the cladding. The insulation manufacturer had cheated fire safety tests. That has all come out in the inquiry. And um, I think campaigners are quite pleased that these things have been unveiled and revealed, but they are not quite so pleased with the reaction from government. And have we seen through the last five years any admissions of culpability or liability at all? You know, the cladding firm knew that the materials it was putting on the building were a fire risk and that combustible materials were being used in other places in the building as well. And the insulation manufacturer had cheated the fire tests. And that has all come out in the inquiry, but there has not been any prosecutions. No one has ever been held criminally accountable for what happened. And the Met has said it will not pursue any criminal prosecutions until the inquiry has made its final report. Um, And the inquiry is due to close next month, I believe. So we perhaps will finally see some criminal prosecutions uh, later this year. So what has actually changed so far as a result of campaigning in that time? This type of cladding is on buildings all over the UK and is particularly dangerous on those taller buildings. It has been removed from some. I know a lot of local authorities have got together to remove their cladding relatively quickly. However, there's still almost 10,000 buildings across the UK, that's including more than 1,000 in London, that still have this combustible material on the buildings. And the reason it's been so slow is many of these buildings are by leaseholders, and there has always been this question about who is responsible for removing that cladding. And there has been a bit of a sort of fight between government and developers and leaseholders about how this cladding is removed. And we've seen, you know, leaseholders who have bought these flats, you know, before the Grenfell disaster and suddenly have found their flats either worthless or they're paying absolute fortunes in leaseholder fees because they have to have you know, fire safety watches or the bills to remove the cladding were suddenly laid on their doorsteps. And this has been a huge problem and such a massive scandal um, that has come out in the years since the Grenfell inquiry. There are literally thousands and thousands of people in this country still living in homes which are unsafe. Now to someone who actually witnessed the fire itself, Joe Delaney, who lives near the Grenfell site and is from the Justice for Grenfell campaign group. Just to start, Joe, five years since the Grenfell disaster, how do you feel about that anniversary, considering what has or hasn't happened in that time? I feel kind of demoralised, to be honest. I mean, you know, I would have expected prosecutions within year one, not year five, you know, and we're being told that we're not to expect them this year either. So we're probably not looking until 2024, 2025. And can you give us an idea of the things we are waiting for? Because there are several different elements to this, isn't there? There's getting rid of the cladding from other buildings and getting people justice. What are you hoping for in the next year, for example? What I was hoping for in the next year was what I was hoping for in the first year. I mean, there is no logical reason why prosecutions cannot proceed whilst the inquiry is ongoing. You know, it's not sub judice because there isn't, you know, there's not a jury that can be swayed on this one. It's just the judge and they're supposed to be, you know, they're meant to have greater minds than us mere mortals. So, you know, more bits shouldn't be influenced by anything the police do. 
And it just seems to me that the police are just looking for any excuse whatsoever to kick this into the long grass. And we've seen stories today about people affected by Grenfell still suffering with mental health problems five years on. What can you say about the state of how people are feeling today? Well, you see, the big problem is that, I mean, in order for there to be a recovery, you know, the, the, the incident that is affecting someone has to actually end at some point. And the way a lot of people feel in our community is that it hasn't ended. You know, I would argue that, you know, the, the events of the 14th of June 2017 were tragic. Obviously, they were. 72 people at least lost their lives. But I don't think it was that that's had such a profound effect on the community. What I think's had such a profound effect on the community is the way that they've been treated since the fire. You know, I mean, we can all understand that disasters happen. But I think what people really couldn't get their heads around was just the complete and utter show of indifference that we've seen ever since. The council is still busy handling a PR disaster. It doesn't give a toss about the humanitarian one that it's caused. You know, it's thrown 49 million at a recovery so far without any kind of measurement. So there are no KPIs to say, you know, whether something is successful or not. You know, they just literally threw money at it to virtue signal. It's virtue signaling with the public purse and it's utterly despicable. And for you personally, Joe, obviously the inquiry has kept it in your mind. But how have you been coping with it all five years on, looking back on the experiences you've had? Basically, it has. It's dominated my life for the past five years. You know, I, I had actually just finished the contract at work before the fire and I had planned on taking some time off. I just didn't realise how long a time that would prove to be. You know, be careful what you wish for, because here I am now some 60 weeks later. And I thought it would only be, say, three or four I'd be taking off. But you know how these things happen. You've just got to roll with, you know, roll with the punches that you're given. So what do you make of the moves the government has made so far? The government's moves are too little too late. I mean, I think they've managed now to scrape together five billion from the construction industry. There's two billion that's been pledged and three billion that comes from this new levy they're doing on new buildings. I mean, five billion might sound laudable, but, you know, the conservative estimate to get all of the cladding issues fixed on all of the buildings of all sizes is an estimated 50 billion. So, you know, we're only 10 percent of the way there. And the program that the government have announced is also is wholly inadequate. You know, they're planning a 10 year rolling program. You know, I doubt any of the buildings across the country are going to think, oh, well, I better not catch fire this year because, you know, they're going to replace me in January. You know, it's just completely being dealt with in such an utterly, utterly indifferent and casual manner. You know, it's certainly not something you'd see where it, say, the Houses of Parliament or Downing Street or Whitehall that were affected in this manner. You know, because we've already seen government are quite willing to spring 10, 15 billion pounds on Parliament in order to make that fire safe. We didn't even need a tenth of that amount to make Grenfell safe. We don't need a tenth of it now to make the rest of them safe as well. But hey, here we are. And what message do you have for the government now at this point, five years on from the disaster? 14th of June 2017, we decided not to riot in our community because we thought that we had the moral high ground. You know, if there were a disaster today and someone from that disaster were to seek me out and ask me how they should proceed, you know, I, I couldn't honestly look at them and say that rioting wouldn't achieve anything that we haven't got already. 
And that's a sad position to be. But it seems that the only thing this government listens to is the squeaky hinge, you know, and the squeaky hinge is the one that gets the oil. You know, if we'd have even had 5% of the scrutiny that we've had on how many times Boris Johnson got drunk or whether he can identify a party over the past two years, if we'd have just had 5% of that effort directed towards the cladding crisis, you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Let's take a break now. In part two, Emma Butts, a children's champion from charity Nova New Opportunities, describes how children affected by Grenfell are still struggling today. One of them couldn't do it and broke down and and had a panic attack. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So Emma Butts joins me now. Emma, you're part of a group set up to support children affected by Grenfell. Can you explain how and why that group was set up? Yep. So the group was set up um, in order to support, advocate for and communicate with children who've been affected by the tragedy with a special emphasis on letting their voices be heard, whether it's to improve our service as a charity or to champion their achievements, but also to help them develop as individuals by providing a range of opportunities. And that could be one-to-one workshops, training, information sharing, and mostly out-of-school activities. And I understand some of these children are struggling even five years on from the disaster. Can you give us an idea of what they've been experiencing and what you've seen from working with them? They're very hesitant to take part in new opportunities. So quite a lot of my role or time has been taking in persuading them, encouraging them to take part. And I'm not sure if, you know, I could directly link that to the tragedy or whether that has been exacerbated by lockdown But I have noticed that they also lack confidence and that the struggles can be getting them to the opportunity or getting them to even agree to want to to join in. And I understand some of these children have been experiencing panic attacks. Can you give us an example of when that's happened? I was taking a, a group of young people out to a museum. It was very, very crowded, as you can imagine, the museums are during school holidays. And there was an option to get the lift, which none of the children wanted to do and then there was an option to go up the escalators which they were all quite hesitant and I I wasn't quite sure I didn't quite ask why but I was with a volunteer so the volunteer helped me get all the children on and one of them couldn't do it and uh, you know broke down and, and had a panic attack and we had 
a conversation afterwards and they said that they didn't quite want to talk about it, but that they were still getting used to being in such a busy place uh, with lots of people and just trying to travel into different places. So I don't know whether that was going to be because of what they may have experienced prior to that, but it is something that I have noticed that the children can find things very overwhelming very quickly. I haven't really seen that before. And I find it quite amazing that an event like Grenfell can have such an impact on people and children five years on. Has that taken you by surprise? I would probably say, no, it hasn't taken me by surprise. The fact that a lot of the children are still living in the area. So you can see the tower pretty much anywhere you go um, within like this, the wards that I, I work in. So it's a constant reminder. And a lot of the children's schools are by the tower as well. So there is that daily reminder. And then, yeah, of course, there's also the pandemic that happened. So they were then stuck in their homes with the tragedy that had happened. So no, it doesn't shock me that it's, it's still affecting them. That's all from The Leader. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.